Hello everyone and welcome back to the Black Eagles podcast. We've been off the air for quite a while, but uh, I'm here now to uh, update you a little bit on the latest uh, ins and outs when it concerns Besiktas. And of course, I'm recording this at the, in the middle of the World Cup. We're about to uh, start the semi-finals. Um, this today, the day of recording, is the 13th of December, Tuesday, the 13th of December. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the performances of our Besiktas players at the World Cup so far. At the moment, the only player remaining at the World Cup from Besiktas is, of course, Romain Saiz, who is the captain for the Moroccan national team, who have surprisingly made it to the semi-finals and will be playing France later this week in uh, the semi-finals of the World Cup, the first African nation to ever reach the World Cup. And for Roman Saiz, of course, it isn't looking too good, unfortunately. He picked up a hamstring injury um, in their, not this last game, but the game before even. And he uh, he played with a bandaged leg for about an hour against Portugal, but he had already picked up the in- injury against Spain. But as a true warrior, he uh, just battled on and, um, you know, basically in this post-match interview, uh, after the Portugal game, he said he basically played with one leg for 60 minutes. And I know a lot of our fans may be not uh, so happy about that, and that's understandable. Of course, he is risking his health, he's risking um, his longevity, his career, um, and uh, he is, of course, being paid by us, by Besiktas. So, in that regard, it's a little bit reckless what he's been doing, or at least that's uh, what, what what many people seem to, to believe at the moment. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with them, but at the same time, I do understand that this is truly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. I mean, he's 32 years old now. The chances of him playing the next World Cup aren't massive, although he's a defender, of course. Uh, so at 36, he could definitely still play. If you look at our former player, uh, Pepe, who's at who's 39 and he's still playing for Portugal, um, then maybe Roman Saez can make the next World Cup should Morocco qualify as well. However, this is of course a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him and it's very understandable that he is willing to do whatever it takes to play for Morocco. Although I do fear for Roman Saez that the semi-final will just be impossible at this point. He had to be subbed off at the 60-minute mark against Portugal and he had to be stretchered off in fact. So I I don't think that uh, it's realistic for him to uh, continue to play in the tournament. But that would be a massive shame, of course, should Morocco um, advance to the final. But regardless, they're going to play at least two more games. They will play France in the semi-final and then they will either play the final or they will play the consolation final. So two more games from Morocco who have played a tremendous tournament. They haven't lost a single game. They've only conceded one goal and that was an own goal even so they haven't even conceded the goal from an opposition player this entire tournament and they haven't just played any teams you know they've played Belgium they've played Croatia they've played Atiba Hutchinson's Canada of course and then they have also played Spain now they've knocked out Portugal amazing run by Morocco and an amazing performance by our player Roman Saiz and I hope that does change some opinions on them I think fans in general haven't been super impressed with him so far because uh, of course our season hasn't been going too well Um, although I personally think that he's been uh, a solid player for us it's just that you know when 
when everything isn't functioning properly and he's adjusting to the club, he's adjusting to the country and everything, he's still settling in. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's fair to expect him to immediately be the defensive leader that Shinel Gunish, for example, seems to expect him to be. But I, I think it's normal that a player takes a little bit of time to get used to a new environment and doesn't immediately start shouting out orders and barking out orders at his teammates. Uh, even though a ca that's what a captain, especially a defensive uh, leader, should be doing. But I think for you know someone like Saiz, let him settle in for a couple of months before he starts taking up that role. I hope that after the World Cup, once he's back and fully fit, that he will stay, start taking up that role more and more for Besiktas. But he's, of course, a quality player. And uh, we've seen it at the World Cup. And we've seen definitely uh, glimpses of that at Besiktas as well. So very good tournament for Roman Saiz. The two other players, uh, that uh, more, most prominent players that have been at the World Cup for Besiktas and uh, for the Super League as well. Uh, of course have been um, Wout Weghorst and Atiba Hutchinson and let's start with Atiba first because he went out with his Canada in the group stages already but we have to remember that this is the first time since 1986 that Canada has partaken in a World Cup and it's only their second ever World Cup participation and they did uh, set a few new records they scored their first ever World Cup goal because in 1986 they actually didn't manage to score a single goal uh, Alfonso Davies from Bayern Munich, of course, got the, on the score sheet. He could have done it in the first game against Belgium, but he missed a penalty. And I think that really could have made the tournament a little different for Canada because they were really good in that game. As you all know, I am from Belgium, so obviously uh, I've watched pretty much all the games at the World Cup so far. But of course, I paid special attention to that one. And I expected fully for Belgium to struggle against Canada because I've been paying very close attention to Canada as well. Of course, due to Atiba's presence and also Cal Lahren in the past. And they have been really going on a tear in uh, in, in the, the, the qualifications in North America. And they've been really putting down some tremendous performances under uh, the leadership of English of the Englishman Herdman, who previously was even the coach of the female football team from Canada and has done tremendous things, accomplished tremendous things there. And then he moved on to the men's team and, of course, has, has, has terrific there as well. And Atiba has been a very important player in his system. He has his captain and, you know, he brings a lot of experience and everything. He's so important for that, for the Canadian national team. And for Atiba, I think, you know, he's been with us for 10 years. He's, he's arguably the greatest ever foreigner to play for Besiktas, not in terms of of the greatest player individually, I think that would probably, we'd have to think of Mario Gomez and Ricardo Quaresma, but Atiba is definitely, you know, the biggest foreigner, uh, or the most successful foreigner for us, I, I'd have to say, because of the longevity, because of uh, what he's done, because of what he me means for us, he's, he's, a, he's a massive club legend at this point, um, but the last, you know, year and a half or so I think for him has really been about making it to this World Cup, preparing for this World Cup. He's barely played for us this season. Um, I would even dare say that us extending his contract this season was more about the club wanting to do something back to it for Atiba. Uh, man, you know, give him the opportunity to to, to stay fit, uh, to train and get ready for the World Cup. I, I don't think anyone at the club pushed him 
to play when he wasn't 100%. I think in a different situation, a different environment, he would have definitely been pushed to play and, and all that. But now it was all about this World Cup, getting ready for this World Cup. And I, I'm not going to speak on what Canada's goal was at the World Cup because I don't know. But I think looking back at it, obviously they'll be disappointed with the zero points in the group stages because they lost all three games. But I think they can be very proud of their performance against Belgium in particular. Um, they did give Morocco a, a tough game as well. Um, and against Croatia, they struggled a little bit more. They lost that one 4-1, uh, I believe. Um, but, you know, especially their performance against Belgium, they could have easily beaten Belgium if, if Thibaut Courtois did not save uh, Afonso Davies' penalty. And afterwards, I was like, oh, why, why would... Atiba not take that. I, I really thought that that would have been a moment, especially because it was the first game. Um, Atiba has all this experience. He hasn't taken a lot of penalties at Besiktas. I think only really in shootouts and stuff, but he's always taken a good penalty when he did. Um, and I think with his experience, uh, he should have really taken that first penalty. Not because I want Atiba to score at a World Cup or anything like that. I just think that the pressure on Afonso Davies' shoulders there uh, I think it would have been much better off putting that on the most experienced player in the team and the captain. I think Atiba should have probably taken that penalty against Belgium and then maybe things could have been different. If they score that, I, I don't think Belgium come back. Uh, maybe they get a draw. I don't think Belgium would go up and over Canada. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame that Canada didn't get any points, but they definitely showed themselves to the world as a positive uh, experience for them I'm sure I am so proud I know we are all so so proud of Atiba for making the World Cup at age 39 and uh, yeah it's really the crowning moment of his career um, the, the, the grandest stage in football is the World Cup of course he's played plenty of Champions League games which is I would say the second highest stage but then the World Cup is of course you know the, the epitome of everything and uh, we're, we're also proud, of course, of, of Atiba for, for making that a reality. And uh, we hope that he can come back now and for the next six months. Um, yeah, just have a great rest of the season. And I, full, I, I do expect that uh, this will be the last six months of Atiba's career. I think he'll be hanging up his boots uh, from things I've been hearing left and right. Um, he's still a fantastic player. But of course, you know, the older you get, the harder it becomes to just get your body ready for matches and to keep your body going, really. And I think Atiba has sl slowly but surely come to that stage where it's starting to become harder and harder. You know, the day after the match is starting to become harder and harder for him. Um, and I think this will be probably Atiba's final season. But I'm so happy that he can finish his career with us um, and couldn't be more proud of Atiba, of course. Another person we can all be very proud of, of course, is Wout Weghorst, uh, the Dutch striker. He uh, didn't initially play too much for the Netherlands. He came on in their first match as a sub and uh, against... Uh, um, was it against Senegal? Yeah, against Senegal. Uh, I don't think he played in their second game against Ecuador, but then he came on in their third match, I believe, as well. Uh, but he didn't basically play any big parts necessarily. Um, until, of course, uh, just recently, their semi-final against Argentina, where the Netherlands found themselves 2-0 down with only 15, 10 minutes remaining on the, on, on the match. 
Messi and company seem to be true. Uh, the Netherlands with a really um, bleak performance. Uh, they hadn't been too impressive throughout the tournament. The group stages, yeah, they got seven points, but none of it was impressive. Didn't impress against Senegal. Struggled tremendously against Ecuador. Uh, and then their, their third match, they, they won pretty uh, relatively easily. Struggled again in, in, in the next round. Uh, no, actually, they didn't struggle. They, they, had, they made pretty quick work of the USA, to be fair. But that was more due to, down to the naivete of the, of the US rather than uh, the quality of the Netherlands, I would say. Um, and then this was their first big test, which was, of course, Argentina, which is one of the top favorites in the tournament. But if, as we've seen with the favorites in this tournament, Germany, Spain, uh, Portugal now, uh, Brazil, you know, they've all gone out. Uh, Belgium, <laughs> another one of those. So uh, Argentina, definitely one of those top favorites, but didn't mean that there wouldn't be a chance for the Netherlands. Who were also seen as one of the underdogs and one of the favorites. Um, but yeah, it wasn't to be. Uh, especially didn't look like it was going to be because it was 2-0 in the 75th minute when uh, uh, Lionel Messi himself stepped up and took a penalty and made it 2-0. Uh, so then three minutes later, Louis van Gaal finally decided to put on his his uh, his plan B, which was putting on both Wout Weghorst and Luc de Jong uh, to put two towers up top. Um, and just a couple of minutes later, in the 82nd minute, Wouter Becker scored with a tremendous header um, to give the Netherlands hope. Um, and then you think, okay, it's going to be tight for a couple more minutes, but Argentina, Argentina are probably just going to, you know, get through this, right? But uh, 10 minutes of added time, and in the 11th minute, the Netherlands have a free kick. Um... And yeah, a fantastic uh, studied, studied free kick basically with Kopmeijers uh, uh, lifting the ball in a little bit into the box, playing it into Wout Weghorst. And he's, he turns and he scores and he makes it 2-2. And at that point, everyone thinks Argentina are on the ropes. We've seen how they deal with adversity in this tournament already against Saudi Arabia. We've seen how rattled they can be. Um, but then the Netherlands didn't push through. Obviously, they put on a lot of offensive players to get that equalizer. And then they managed to get it. Um, and they go into 30 minutes of extra time. And it seemed like at that point, Van Gaal was betting on the penalties. Rather than trying to finish the game in extra time, um, it felt like... They were very confident about the penalties and that they were going to go through on the penalties. And unfortunately, uh, the captain Van Dijk missed his first penalty. Then also uh, Berghuis missed the second penalty. And credit to Berghuis, he played a fantastic game when coming on as a second half sub. He, he was one of the players that turned the match around. And uh, also credit to Van Dijk, he's the captain, he stepped up and took his responsibility, unfortunately for him, the, the Argentina goalkeeper saved it. Um, and then the, Wout Weghorst uh, stepped up for the third penalty, scored his, was very happy to see that, of course, and it, it definitely wasn't down to Weghorst. Uh, Luke de Jong also converted a penalty and one of the Argentina players missed, but then uh, Lautaro Martinez took their fourth and scored, and that sent Argentina through to the semi-finals against Croatia. 
And after the match, there was a little bit of uh, tension between the Dutch and the Argentinian players and uh, stuff happened. And um, after the game, Wout Weghorst wanted to shake Lionel Messi's hand, maybe exchange shirts. But Messi uh, didn't quite get that message, I think, and was still very riled up due to what happened post-game. Um, and he started yelling at, at when he was doing an interview. Weghorst was waiting to uh, shake his hand and stuff and uh, Messi interpreted it the wrong way, I guess. And uh, I think he thought that, that Wickhoff was there to continue um, continue the, the fight, so to speak, you know, uh, to continue arguing or whatever. Um, but obviously Wickhoff wasn't there with any bad intentions. He just wanted to shake the greatest player of all time. Uh, shake his hand which is understandable and exchange shirts which is also understandable because Wout Weghorst really um, is just a normal guy that had a dream as a kid to make it as a football player and the biggest dream he ever had was to play at a World Cup and he did that um, he also said that in his post-match interview he was in tears and he said this should have been the, the greatest moment in my career uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be due to how it ended, but I think, I think he will still look back at this as the greatest moment of his career, the crowning achievement. You have to keep in mind, Wojtkowicz has never won a championship. You know, he's never. I think he won. He played two cup finals, but he never won a cup. I think. I don't think he's ever won a trophy at club level. He's never really played at a top club. Besiktas is the first top club he's playing for you know you have to think before this he played for Heracles he played for AZ and then he played for Wolfsburg in Germany Wolfsburg of course a, a great club but they're not a club that wins trophies at least they haven't done since the mid 2000s um, and, and and then he went to Burnley they're not a club that's gonna win any trophies so Bistich is the first club he's playing at now where he has the opportunity of perhaps winning a trophy and of course you know things this season aren't looking amazing for that but you know this is the crowning achievement of his career as well of course he's a lot younger than Atiba he's only 30 years old whereas Atiba is at, at, at the very end of his career 39 years old um, and then and the World Cup for Atipa was definitely the cherry on top. But for Wout Weghorst, it was a massive goal as well. I'm sure it was for Atipa too. Uh, but for Weghorst, you know, he came to Besiktas because he believed that that would give him a better opportunity to go to the World Cup. Uh, I'm very happy that for him it worked out. It was, especially the public opinion in the Netherlands was, should he go? I mean, you know, we already have Luke de Jong for that role, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't think we need him, blah, blah, blah. That's what people in the Netherlands were saying. And I am so happy and proud of him, that uh, pr happy for and proud of him that he managed to prove those naysayers wrong again. Because all the comments I've read from Dutch fans now, they're so 100% positive about Weghorst. Um, you know, they're praising his his commitment they're praising his dedication his his fighting spirit everything everything we, we he's known for you know everything that makes him a, a top tier football player because yeah Wout Weghorst might not be the most technically refined footballer but he's a good he's a, he's a tremendous striker he has an incredible will uh, and and he's yeah he's, he's he's a fantastic player because of that and I'm very happy that 
people in the Netherlands may finally start appreciating that in him because he's been, especially in Holland, very underappreciated for a very long time. And I think maybe this double, this brace against Argentina that he just scored will still be remembered very fondly. Of course, had they won that penalty shootout, it would have been one of the most uh, one of the most epic moments in Dutch football history, at least in, in, in recent football history for the Netherlands. You know, they have, of course, had the 2010 World Cup final and then they had to, you know, in 1988, they won, um, they won the, Euro uh, the European Cup and in 40, uh, 74 and in 78, they played the World Cup final as well. But I think had, had they gone through against Lionel Messi's Argentina, regardless of what would happen in the next game against Croatia, and let's be honest, they would have had a good chance against Croatia and a good chance to making the final. They were so close. Um, but if, if they would have won that penalty shootout, that would have been remembered for forever, probably. Uh, now, I, I still think this will be remembered very fondly by many people, but because they couldn't quite finish the job, it, it it's not going to go into the zeitgeist. It's not going to go into the Dutch uh, folklore as it would have at, if they had gone through. And for that, I feel I, I'm I, I not feel sorry necessarily, but it's a shame because because Wickhorst deserved to go down as a as a Dutch hero because of that brace against Argentina. Uh, he still does, I think, but to a lesser extent for sure. But so happy and so proud for of him uh, to that he represents our club and that he did in such a good style and and the same thing for of course for for uh, Atiba and especially Roman Saiz as well. We can be very proud of our guys at the World Cup. Uh, George Kevin Nkudu, who was also active at the World Cup, he didn't really do much. He played in the first game a little bit. I don't think he came on in the second and in the third game. Uh, former player Vincent Abubakar, of course, had a had a great tournament. Uh, he scored and assisted in their second game against Serbia, started the first game on the bench uh, for Cameroon, um, came on as a sub but didn't do anything in their first game, their loss against uh, the Swiss. Uh, was it against the Swiss? I think it was against the Swiss. Uh, and then he, of course, came on against Serbia, scored and assisted to get them a 2-2 draw. And then against Brazil in the third match, he scored a 90-plus minute uh, header to uh, see them beat Brazil 1-0. So definitely not bad from the former Bishtish player, uh, Vincent Abubakar. Uh, another former Bishtish player uh, that uh, is still in the tournament actually is Domagoj Vida, although he hasn't played since the first game. Uh, so he's been on the bench mainly, and I think the most notable moment for him was uh, him uh, yeah, comforting and hugging uh, Luka Modric and, uh, and Brozovic when they were subbed off uh, in their match against... Uh, who was it again? I don't remember. But anyway, you know, Vida is of course there as well. So we have some Besiktas presence there still uh, with, with Tomago Vida as well. Although he left us of course this summer, but he played for us for four years and four and a half years and uh, of course won a championship with us so for us Fida is uh, somebody that will always be fondly remembered and always will be remembered as a black eagle uh, same thing for I think for Vincent Abubakar although um, personally and a lot of other fans will have a little bit of a sour feeling regarding him due to the way he uh, he kind of sold us out in that uh, final stretch of months uh, in the 2020-2021 season um, but still, you know, won two championships with us, played a big part in both of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
fond memories of him as well, of course. No Ricardo Quaresma at this World Cup. Uh, unfortunately, you know, 39 years old now. No club at the moment. Um, might be on the verge of retiring. So, uh, unfortunately, no, no Quaresma for Portugal. But, of course, Pepe is there. Another former Besiktas player. And uh, Pepe scored, actually, in the previous game for Portugal. Uh, in what was a very emphatic win for them uh, against the Swiss. 6-1, I believe it was. But then, uh, yeah, they went out against Morocco just now. And uh, he broke his arm, actually, against Morocco. Almost scored an equalizer in the, in, in the 90th minute. But um, it wasn't to be for Portugal. And, and they had home as probably, I'm not going to say certainly, but probably Pepe's last World Cup. You know, at 39, you'd have to think that uh, in four years he won't uh, be there anymore. But maybe he makes the Euros, you never know. Another big moment, of course, where that was uh, probably the end of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, World Cup career as well, and he'll be finishing that career without a World Cup to his name. Um, Lionel Messi, of course, the only one uh, of the of the big two uh, left that might still be able to do it. Anyway, uh, that's uh, what uh, the World Cup is concerned. Let's uh, t quickly talk about uh, the friendly matches that Bishtish have been playing in the meantime, as this World Cup has been going on. Um, of course, there was a, a cup game recently as well against uh, Serigbilidis Spor, which Besiktas won 3-1. Uh, that was on uh, the 9th of November, I believe. And then we've been playing a bunch of friendly matches more recently. Um, Besiktas played a friendly against Istanbul Spor on the 29th of November. And they beat Istanbul Spor 4-0. Well, we could have used that 4-0 in the league game against them, of course. We were winning 2-0, and then they, they still got back in it, unfortunately. Uh, then there was another friendly game against Fatih Karagumruk Spor. 1-1 uh, in that game. Let's uh, have a quick look at the, the goal scores here as well. Um, that will open up here. I'm using Soccerway at the moment. So in the 4-0 against Istanbul Spor, we had Nathan Redmond, Cenk Tosun, Kerem Keskin, uh, Kerem Atkan Keskin, and Dele Ali scoring the goals. It was, a, it was a really good performance by the team. Uh, the starting lineup in this match was Mert Kunok Wellington, Fern, uh, yeah, Yavi Montero, um, Emre Can, Nathan Redmond, Dele Ali, uh, Taifur, uh, Kerem, Berkay Vardar, Jing Tosun, and Jackson Muleka. And then we had uh, some subs coming on. Uh, Jetson came on for Berkay, uh, Ersin came on at halftime for Mert, uh, Nijib came on uh, in, the, in the final half hour for Cenk, Masuaku came on for Montero in the 64th minute. We had Rosia making a second half appearance. We also had Ozan Agun, uh, Tayyip Talha came on for Emre Can. We had uh, Nejati Bilgic as well making an appearance. And the first appearance for Semi Kilsoy, who came on to replace Jackson Moleka. And we're going to get back to that in a bit. Uh, and then uh, we had... Uh, uh, we had... Two more subs here with Aitu coming on. I, um, and... 
one more oh uh, Terzi, what's his first name? I, for, I forget. Anyway, uh, that was the, the game against Istanbul Spor, 4 0 win. Then there was a 1 1 draw against Fatih Karagumruk. Uh, this wasn't uh, such a good performance, though, unfortunately, but we did get an equalizer late in the match here because Kazem uh, uh, Richards scored uh, a very good goal in the 33rd minute there. Uh, putting them in front and then we basically tried to push for an equalizer for the remainder of the game that came late in the match with uh, Kerem Kezgin scoring in the 85th minute. It was a really nice assi assist from uh, the previously mentioned Semi Kilic, Soy Semi, uh, who's one of our biggest talents from the under-19s. He only just uh, turned 17 actually in August, if I'm not mistaken, so he's very young. But uh, already filled out quite well, he, uh, very muscular tone to his body, quite uh, stocky in that regard. Not stocky fat, but stocky muscular. Um, so he looks like a very interesting player. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Gokhan Ture in terms of build. Um, very quick, agile, uh, definitely has something to him, so keep an eye on him. Uh, already, I think we already tipped him last season because he was last under-19 season. He was 16, but he was playing for the under-19s already last season, and he actually... Uh, scored quite a lot of goals for the under-19s last season as an attacking winger. So uh, definitely somebody to pay attention to, Semi Kilic Soy. I'm um, not going to praise him to the moon and back, but, you know, just keep an eye on him, keep tabs on him, and we will, of course, also keep tabs on him. So the lineup we started against uh, Fatih Karagumruk was Ersin in goal, Masuaku, Rozier, uh, Taib Talha, Emre Can, Nathan Redmond again, Dela Ali again, uh, Jetson Fernandez, Berkay, uh, Vardar, Jenk Tosun and Jackson Maleka. So Jenk and, and Jackson Maleka up front again for the, back, uh, the first two games. Dele Ali and, and Redmond, uh, I think they have started in every single one of our friendlies. And then in the second half, we saw a bunch of subs, uh, subs with uh, Najib coming on, um, Emre Bilgin coming on for Ersin at halftime. Uh, we had Wellington, Kerem Ke Atakan Kezgin, Ozan Akun, Taifur Bingul. Again, Semi Kilisoy came on the 74th minute and then, of course, gave that uh, assist. He gave a really good assist, but he also had a similar action a little bit beforehand that was very, uh, yeah, was well, very similar to it, really. And he sh it really showed his quickness and his agility to turn away from his opponent and, and beat them with speed. Um, we also had uh, Badrasise coming on in this game. Um, again, Nejati Bilgic came on as well. Uh, we had also uh, Emre Can Terze coming on. So yeah, uh, a lot of young players getting some opportunities as well, although not too many minutes, but Semi seemingly definitely um, made an impression on on Chenel because uh, he actually started in our last uh, friendly game. Then we uh, played another friendly against uh, Belgian Sporting Charleroi in which Jackson Muleka and Taib Talha scored in the first half to give us a 2-0 lead. Um, then they scored a goal via Wuzel uh, Mazala or something. Um, I believe Dele Ali also missed a penalty in this game actually. But again, uh, the starting lineup with Mert in goal, Nejib with his first start in these friendlies, Wellington, Masuaku, Taib Talha, Emre Can, Nathan Redmond, Dela Ali, Taifur Bingol, Getson Fernandez, and Jackson Maleka. So the pattern we're seeing so far is Jackson Maleka starting all of the friendlies, and Dela Ali and uh, Nathan Redmond starting all the friendlies. Then the second half substitutes, we had Montero coming on, Semi Kilisoy again, this time he got a little bit more time, he came on at the 60th minute to replace Dele. 
Then we had Kerem Atakan Kesgin, Berkay Vardar, Erxin Destanolo coming on at the hour mark to replace Mert. Um, Valentin Rosier, Sali Uchan, first appearance in the friendlies for Sali. He had been nursing a little bit of an injury, I believe. Emre Jai Terze, and that was it. And uh, then in our last friendly game, which was against another Belgian side, Westerlo. Um, let's have a quick look. Uh, apparently we also had a friendly that was supposed to take place, but that got cancelled. Um, let me see. Where are... Where's the last friendly we have here? Oh, here we go. Then our, then our last friendly. We still have another one uh, coming up. We have one more friendly coming up, by the way, which will be against Girasun on uh, the 15th. And then we have a cup game against Shanluchvaspor on the 21st. But we had one more friendly that we already played, and that was against Westerlo, also from Belgium, uh, which actually have Turkish owners. Um, so they have a couple of Turkish players uh, that they transferred this uh, past season. Uh, in goal they have Sinan Bolat, um, another one, uh, Ragit Tagir, you'll uh, recognize maybe from Başakşehir, uh, Halil Agbunar, of course. Um, they also have Burak Gubushkaya from Fenerbahce. Uh, um, I think it's Burak, right? No, it's not Burak. Ah, whatever. Uh, anyway, um, so in this game, we won this one 1-0 uh, through to a late goal from Nathan Redmond in the 87th minute, um, assisted by Typhoon Bingle. The lineup here to start was Mert in goal, Nijib Wellington, uh, Masuaku, Taib Talha, Nathan Redmond, Saliu Chan, Dele Ali, Typhoon Bingle, Jetson Fernandes, and Semi Kilsoy. So, no real out and out striker in this game. Dele kind of played as a striker. Um, which you, was definitely noticeable that we lacked a little bit of presence up top. Um, but again, I thought uh, Nathan Redmond, I think, has been really good throughout all of these friendlies. I also definitely have been seeing uh, positive things from Dele Ali. Uh, it definitely seems like uh, Chanel is trying out lots of different... Uh, playing styles, he's tried three at the back, he's tried four at the back, he's tried different approaches, but a thing that he consistently has been doing is trying to push Dele Ali, I think. Uh, I, I think he's definitely taken a keen interest in, in Dele and uh, realizes that for the team to be successful this season, he'll probably have to unlock his potential. Nathan Redmond, you can definitely see he's settling in more. Um, I, I thought he was really good in these friendly matches. Uh, one of the better players, together with uh, Jackson Moleka as well. Jetson Fernandez continuing his his uh, his form from the league and performing really well. Uh, in the second half, of course, we had a bunch of subs again. Uh, Umut Merash came on here. Montero came on. Ersin Destanolo came on at halftime for Mert. Nkudu came on. Kerem Atakankeskin. Atiba actually uh, making his return from the World Cup and playing. Uh, for about 30 minutes in this game as well. And then we also had uh, Emre Can Terzi coming on for uh, Semi in the 80th minute. So, uh, Semi Kilsoy in this game starting, 
definitely because he impressed in the previous games when he came on as a sub. So uh, Shinal Gunish taking a bit of an interest in, 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 in Simi, which is very uh, fun for us, I think, for us fans to see that, um, that Simi is getting a bit of an opportunity and maybe we'll see him uh, in the friendly games game against, uh, sorry, in the cup game against Shanluhta soon. But like I said, we have one more friendly before that against Girasun Spor. Um, that's on the 15th. And then on the 21st, uh, we will be playing that cup game against Shanluhta before we pick up the league again against Gaziantep on the 25th on Christmas Day. So, yeah. Uh, just a couple uh, more, one more friendly and, a and then uh, we're back to the official games quite soon. So on the 21st, of December, the season officially starts again for Besiktas with a, with a cup game against Shanlufa Sport, which will be played at the Vodafone Park. And after that, we are traveling away to Gaziantep for uh, picking up uh, the league again. After that, we play Adana Sport at home, and then we have Kasim Pasha at home as well um, in the beginning of next year on the 7th of uh, January. But uh, like I said, on the 25th, we're playing Gaziantep. And then on the 29th, we're playing Adana Demirspor at home. So there's three more official games and four more games in total in the remainder of 2022. So I think that's uh, plenty to have caught up on for uh, Besiktas. Um, sorry again for it being so long. I will try to get in more regular updates um, and soon uh, fortunately uh, in, the in the next four to five months I hope to be moving house and once that happens uh, we'll try to start picking up with a regular co-host again for the Black Eagles podcast and hopefully also football all Turka but I'll keep you all posted up uh, on that later. Anyway, uh, for us here at the Black Eagles podcast, also for Sinan Schwarding, of course, not joining me today, but we all wish you a very uh, good remainder of the World Cup and a remainder of the year, and hopefully uh, a good Besiktas in uh, the remainder of this year, but especially in 2023. And as Sinan always says, go Besiktas. <laughs> Bobo, Jimmy Bobo, no, 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 no